The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well out there in the Auburn Opelika area. Beautiful day. Clouds rolling in a little bit, so we'll see if we get a little rain showers this afternoon. But hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a great weekend. Wow, do we have some things to talk about today? Did some stuff go on over the weekend or what? I mean, we've got college football to talk about. We have a new World Series champion. Uh, Congratulations to the Houston Astros. They are World Series champions. College basketball gets underway today. Auburn plays their first game tonight against George Mason. Uh, We have got just so much to talk about and discuss here on today's show. Again, hope you all had a great weekend. Carter, how was your weekend? I know Saturday night was a long one for you. It was, it was, after the game didn't finish up until about 1.15 in the morning, uh, but it was a good time. Uh, maybe my favorite after the game that we've ever had, about as fired up as as Jack and I have been all season long. Um, I think it was, uh, there's a lot of hope coming out of this weekend, and uh, I'm in a weird spot right now where both of my football teams have interim head coaches right now after... Yeah whatever the heck the Colts are deciding to do, which makes no sense. I saw sense. that. Yeah, I saw that. You got uh, – they're literally talking about it on ESPN right now. We got it on the Because they named studio. an NFL analyst, like a ESPN analyst, interim head Zero coach coaching experience. They said, he was, we need an interim. You're our guy. He was, a, he was, he was an assistant for uh, Hebron something high school for four years. He was a, He was the head coach there. But he has not coached in two years, and I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Colts said, why not, right? I mean, what do you got to lose at this point? So, I mean, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about today, and we'd love to hear from you. Of course, we have two guests today. Uh, we will talk with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central at 2.30. Interested to get his comments on... What happened in Baton Rouge on Saturday night? We will talk to him about that and everything going on with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Then at 3.30, we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, get his thoughts on what happened in Starkville on Saturday, and get his thoughts on Auburn basketball as well. It's that fun time where football and basketball are crossing over for the next two months or so and it's going to be a lot of fun because we have Auburn football and Auburn basketball to talk about for a while now so we'd love to hear from you though 334-321-1390 we know you have thoughts we know you have opinions uh we how are you feeling right now about Auburn after they go into Starkville right they go in and They just lay it all on the line, right? They go out and they lay it all out there. They played the best game they've played all season long, given all of the circumstances on a short week, a new coach, half of a coaching staff. You have Cadillac Williams as your interim coach. You have people leaving the transfer portal. You got people that are hurt and banged up. You've got, you just don't know what you were going to get out of this Auburn football team on Saturday night. And you got the best game they've played all season long. Was it 100% pretty and, and clean football? No, absolutely not. Did Coach Cadillac coach a perfect game? No, he didn't. 
but he did a, a pretty good job, if you ask me. And this Auburn team, he said at the half, we're not going to quit. And Auburn did not quit on Saturday night. I mean, I don't know what, what people, what, what he possibly could have done more. I mean, he, he talked about it in his post-game press conference. He got like eight hours of sleep all week. He got a couple hours of sleep before game day, and that was really it. I mean, it was on short notice after the, the move was made Monday and after he was named interim coach Monday. Tuesday, they started prep. They had three practices. Cole Kublik talked about it on the broadcast. It's hard to do a lot in three practices. It really is. And you know what? Cadillac Williams, in five days, in five days, he had a better football team than Brian Harson had in a year and a half. In a year and a half. Cadillac Williams deserves all of the credit in the world for the fight and the effort and everything that goes with it. And it showed on Saturday, and as somebody that went to Auburn, I'm daggum proud of it. This is the best that I have felt after an Auburn football loss, maybe ever, right? Because Auburn did everything that they could have done to win this football game. They were down by 21, 24 points, whatever it was at some point. I think it was 18, but yes. They were down by a lot. They were down by a lot. They didn't play well in the first half. What did they do at halftime? They went in and did this crazy idea and this crazy thing. They made adjustments, and then they dominated the second half. They won the second half of that football game. They come all the way back. They take the lead. They fight with Mississippi State. They get to overtime on the road in the SEC, which is not easy to do regardless, winning on the road in this conference. Obviously, look around. We've seen how it goes. We saw two big teams lose on the road Saturday night in the SEC. Auburn was on the road. With a short week, we, you know all the circumstances. They did everything they could have, and the only thing they didn't get was the win. But if you heard Cadillac after the game, he told his team, he said, this isn't a loss, boys. He said, look at how we, we got better tonight. He said, we got better. He said, we're going to learn, and we're going to continue to get better from this. And that's the only thing Auburn didn't get out of this football game was the W on the schedule. And so... If there's anybody that was disappointed in this team or disappointed in this coaching staff for what they did Saturday, I'd love to hear from you because I just don't know where you could point somewhere and say, I'm disappointed in that football team and that coaching staff and that performance on Saturday in Starkville. Cadillac Williams did something, and I think it, a lot of it has to do with if you're an Auburn football player, who better to, to take over this situation to relate to you than an Auburn legend in Cadillac Williams. And what he did, he showed more leadership than Brian Harson did in a year and a half in five days. And and I, I cannot overstate it. The effort by the staff, the they put together a better daggum game plan for the second half that we've seen in two years. Well, they actually won the second half. They dominated the second half. 27-9. Auburn won the second half, something they had not done all season long because, again, they went into the locker room and instead of saying, let's just do that again and see if it works, they made adjustments and they changed. They changed the game plan and said, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And you know what? It did work. And Auburn gets all the way to overtime. And you can put, there's a lot of different things where, again, playing our favorite game, the what-if game, right? You could say, well, what if this had happened? Or if this had happened differently, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a lot of ways Auburn could have won this football game. But the fact of the matter is, Auburn was in this game. They get it to overtime. They had chances to win. 
that says something because coming into this game if it was Brian Harson, they would have lost by 30 plus oh my gosh yes the, it would have been the the first quarter but for four quarters it would have that there was no and I I said this on on af, af, after the game there was no life with Brian Harson. Brian Harson had killed this program the program was dead and Cadillac Williams got the paddles out rubbed them together and shocked this program back to life and there is hope and there's something to build on, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that. And then the fact that somebody who has been a college coach for four years has never been a coordinator, has never called plays, has never been a head coach. He's been a running backs coach. Managed the game better than Brian Harson did in his decade of being a head coach is such an indictment of Brian Harson. Handling the timeouts at the end of the game, when you call those three timeouts and make that make that field goal kicker kick it three times, which credit to him, both of them he, actually, he he hit it all three times. So credit to that well, dude. Well, yeah, absolutely, and it almost worked in that moment because the forty-four yard field goal on the final time it clears the crossbar by, by about four feet. But you know what it did when the when the chaos of the kickoff, which which. I'm. I do not want to blame Sean Jackson for that. That that kicker. If you made him do that ten times, he probably doesn't kick it right at him perfectly. One more time out of ten, it's probably a one out of ten chance. And there's not much you can do in that moment, short of diving flat on the ground, which is tough to ask a kid to do there. Um, but when they get the ball back and they get to what they were kicking a 56 yard field goal. The three timeouts, making that kid kick three times in a row, the two timeouts, and making that kid kick three times in a row right before that, it's a great reason why that kick came up about, what, 12 feet short? Right. And and there's a big question of, why didn't Auburn throw somebody back there, right? I was thinking I, that I, at the time. I, 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 I did think about that, and, and Jack and I talked about that on Saturday, because especially because it would have been how, if Auburn had been able to return that, there would have been some serious um, poetic justice to that because not only did an Auburn man take over this program and five days show more fight, it was a 56-yard field goal again. That number should stick out to every Auburn person <laughs> ever. Like, that is that is the number. When somebody comes out and they say it's a 56-yarder, you say... Somebody run and we go were, to the other end. We were trying to figure out who should have been back there. And I I, I thought maybe Pritchett, because I mean, he's the fastest guy on the team, supposedly. Pritchett or maybe, I don't know, Damari Austin. Yeah, somebody. I mean, why not? You know what I mean? I mean, but, I mean but, but again. But, but I'm not. I'm not no, no, like, absolutely that, that's not. That's a very minor thing Correct. to, to yes. hold against yes. Cadillac Williams. And at that point in the football game, so much had already happened. And think about what Cadillac and what had to have been going through his mind and all of the coaches at this point where you're at a spot in the game where you came back, you were winning, you had the chance to send this thing to overtime, and Mississippi State does a crazy onside kick which was they were trying to do an onside kick but they were not trying to kick it directly into the dude's chest well, no, they, they, they were trying to squib it and just kind of eat, eat time and create a situation where Auburn couldn't get a really, that, a really big return yeah 
and it just happened to go right Man, at, and at Sean And when that Jackson. happened, I said, please. I said, not like this. I said, please Same. don't let Auburn lose this game like this. Don't let Cadillac lose this game like this. Obviously, they didn't. They get to overtime, and there's some calls there. That pass interference call, don't think it was, was pass really interference. Bad. Was it really was bad. bad. The ball was uncatchable. Uncatchable. But I, and J.D. Rim, I don't think, did anything wrong. I thought it was great coverage. I agree. I thought he barely touched him. Maybe he touched him at all. I agree. And so those are some of the things that you can look at in this football game and say, Auburn could have won, maybe should have won if those things go the correct way, right? If, if Anders Carlson makes a field goal or could kick it into the end zone on kickoffs, like there's a lot of things like that, that in a normal situation and in a normal football game and in a normal season for Auburn, we would look at those things and we would say Auburn could have, possibly should have won this football game. But the fact of the matter is, it's the 2022 season. Brian Harson got fired on Monday. This team didn't start practice till Tuesday. Cadillac and the coaches were in the room until 2 o'clock in the morning. They took half the coaching staff on the road in the SEC, and they lose a six-point ball game in overtime. I have no complaints. Were, I mean, they were two touchdown underdogs, and they went and took that state team to overtime. That state team that legitimately is the third-best team in the West, third-best team behind Alabama and LSU, or well, fourth, Ole Miss. But yes, I've, I've, I, excuse me, I, for, I forgot about <laughs> Ole Miss because they were they were on their off week. But he threw up air quotes. He said forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not convinced that, that 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 Ole Miss team beats Mississippi State, and they do have that game against Alabama. They they have that brutal schedule to finish. Yes, this this game should inspire Auburn fans to show up on Saturday. Because this team poured its heart out on the field for 60 minutes and gave you an effort indicative of Auburn football. And and everything Cadillac promised you came true. He said that they were going to run the football. They ran for 256. He said that they were going to play relentless defense. They did that. They, they held State to 370 and in the middle dominated that game. And like there were there was a about an eight nine drive sequence there where state couldn't do anything. Also forced offense. three turnovers. Yes, that's true as well. But this game turned. You want to know where where it turned exactly? Two guys, your leaders, your senior leaders on the defensive line, Derek Hall and Colby Wooden. Decided, you know what? Enough's enough, and they started making plays. Derek Hall flies off the edge, forces a fumble. Uh, you had, I believe, it was Dylan Brooks fall on it, and then you had Kobe uh, Wooden re- recovered a fumble. He almost had an interception too, which would have been really exciting. But those two guys set the tone for the comeback right before halftime, and then Cadillac was 100 percent right when they come out of half, and he said, "Somebody's going to quit, and it's not going to be us." And this team gave you such a Herculean effort in the second half. It was, at one point, the, the biggest comeback since, uh, I believe, the, the 2010 Iron Bowl. Credit to this team. Credit to this staff. Credit to Cadillac Williams because he made you feel something 
we haven't felt anything about Auburn football in a while. And that's it right there. That's that is what makes this game so meaningful and important to Auburn fans, Auburn media. I mean, look, I I, I know that we obviously we work Auburn radio. We went to Auburn. We've grown up Auburn fans, right? We enjoy watching Auburn football and we have to be partial at times when watching it. But this was the most excited and the most fun I've had watching an Auburn football game all season long. And I would say until last year's Iron Bowl when Auburn almost beat Alabama in that crazy game. So this is the most excited we've been for four quarters all season long. And that is what I'm thankful for. And it it was because there was hope and there was a chance and there was effort and there was game planning, there was scheme. There was scoring, there were turnovers, there was a chance for Auburn to win this football game. And you know what? Besides the games that Auburn was supposed to win the first two in the season where it didn't look good anyway, Auburn didn't have a chance in any of those games. They haven't had a chance. Sure, they beat Missouri, but they shouldn't have. And everything else, they've just gotten smacked. And that's what made Saturday so fun and so exciting was for the entire game outside of the first quarter, you could say, there was hope and a chance that Auburn could win this game. And in overtime, they had a chance. They just didn't get it done. Auburn got better in every facet of the game, except for special teams, I think, was was the glaring weakness this week. And you know that Cadillac, he preached discipline. He said that's going to be something that they're going to focus on this week. But they got better at forcing turnovers. The defense played better. The offense played better. The offense scored points against a legitimate defense. Yeah, they scored 34 against Ole Miss. But this is a legitimate Mississippi State defense, and they scored 33. Everything got better without Brian Harson. Everything. And that's something to be excited about, and I think Auburn fans will be. we got to get to our first break here in hour number one. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. 334-321-1390. We'll get to them when we come back. Monday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open like a sports leader. I wish we could sit and talk for about five hours about Saturday and get into all of the different facets. And you know what? Over the week, we are going to do that. Obviously, we've got a couple of guests coming up today. Uh, coming up at 2.30, we're going to talk to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, like we do every single Monday. Get his thoughts on the Alabama Crimson Tide and what happened in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. Uh, and then at 3.30, we're going to talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, get his thoughts on what happened in Starkville with Auburn, and get his thoughts on Auburn basketball as they get going underway tonight with George Mason. But let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you, first off, for taking the call. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, first off, I was very pleased with the way they played, you know, uh, very, very I guess the first time you could really say proud, you know, of, mm-hmm. of how they played. But uh, uh, it was great to see a lot of new guys getting in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I saw several new guys, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a few more. Uh, that, can y'all explain to me, Alec McFerrin, especially now, can you explain to me why, and I know that Cadillac didn't have time to think about this last week. He didn't have but about four days of mayhem. But but would 
you expect to see McPherson, uh, Alex McPherson, uh, get a chance to kick because of, uh, you know, the problems that we're having mm-hmm. there? Yeah, I, I would like to see it at this point, and it, it's a it's a it's a touchy subject because obviously the Auburn fan base, the Auburn family, they love the Carlson family, they love the Carlson brothers, uh, Daniel oh, first, and then really? Anders second, and I mean they've been so good to Auburn, but I think everybody has realized that since Anders got hurt. He just hasn't been able to be the same guy that he used to be pre-injury. And so at this point, you can see where he has struggled and he's missed some of those kicks that before injury he would never have missed. And so I think maybe... It, maybe it's a respect thing because of what he has done yeah. and what they have done to this point to, to leave him in at this point in the season. I would like to see McPherson get in just because well, he's the best kicker in the country coming out of high school. And with only, what, three games left, you can't burn his red shirt anymore. Well, I mean, even if you went out and go to a bowl game, he could play in all four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, maybe just let McPherson kick off. Right, right, exactly. You know, Fair. And and still have, you know, Carlson you know, coming in. But, you know, I was going to make a point about this upcoming game. You know, from what I've heard, there's going to be many former players that are mm-hmm. going to be there. And, you know, I know that A&M, I've heard national that they're mad as heck, you know, whatever. Well, you know, I think they're it's, it should be a great atmosphere, I think. Oh, I think it will be too. And and A and M should be mad if they're three and six with Jimbo Fisher as their head coach. So I mean, they've lost five straight. If they if they lose to Auburn and an Auburn team that I promise you they view themselves as better than this season, mm-hmm. then I think you'll see uh, eighty five million dollars magically appear in in College Station. I, I do too. And you know what? You know one thing bad thing about that for Auburn is that's going to be another school to try to bid not bid coach you know on coaching war that's right but but the emotion i also want to speak about that the emotion that you saw from the guys from the coaches everything the whole game long i don't think people pay enough attention to how how important that is in in college Mm -hmm. you know when you get to the pros you you know you don't need no rah-rah you know, um, you know they, but and, and you look at if you think them, it, it's not. It, it, it's, you never know where it's going to come from. But all season long, and last year, you know, Alabama suffered, has been suffering ever since Scott Cochran left as their strength coach, and he not he he spent more time with those kids than anybody else. And I know he had a couple, he had a little problem after he went to Georgia, but he's he's back on track. And you look at how much emotion that they're playing with, and all you hear Nick is complaining about is lack of emotion. You know, before games, we're not we're not hollering in the tunnel. We're not doing. You know, I can't. And Cochran, he wasn't a regular strength and conditioning coach. He went out there on the sidelines, and he was out there yelling and firing guys up. And you know, I think it's a lot to be said for having. You know, I, Brian Harson was just too much like a. a robot right he was emotionless he he was but anyway guys and and one other thing uh worried along that and uh looking forward to basketball yeah we are too ed we are too hey it's good to hear from you man we appreciate the call that's ed joining us here on on the line that's a great point and it's something i want to address as we got about a minute or so is 
yeah, he, he mentioned the NFL and professional, right? Those guys have emotions when they win and when they lose. And a lot of times when you watch NFL, uh, it is very professional because that's what they are. They're professionals. But I think from, from peewee football, all, and not just football, but peewee all the way through college, it is very important for players and coaches to be emotional, have emotions, get into the game, get excited to be playing football because that goes down to the core of playing a sport you're there to have fun, and what's fun is winning, but you got to get hyped up. You got to get ready to go, and look at the difference between what Brian Harson was on the sidelines versus what Cadillac Williams was on the sidelines on Saturday. Brian Harson, in the word that's been used, is a robot because that's pretty much what he was. He was very emotionless, didn't have any excitement, didn't have any anger, which I guess that's a, a sort of a good thing, maybe, but he was very emotionless. Whether Auburn threw an interception or scored on a touchdown, it was the same reaction and face every single time Cadillac Williams on Saturday the guy was sprinting up and down the sidelines to call timeouts he was waving a towel like he was a player he was hugging the guys he was talking to him one-on-one he was ready to go and the the players feed off of that because players are in a a direct representation of Mm -hmm. what the head coach is well I I love the emotion on the sidelines and I mean it started from when Cole Kublik spoke to Cadillac just from that moment on it felt different it felt totally different and it shows on the field and that's why the attitude of the head coach will directly represent within their players and that's what you saw on Saturday night in Starkville 30 minutes into hour number one we're going to talk to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central when we come back Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcoming in our uh, typical Monday 2.30 guest, it's Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Joey, Happy Monday, man. I know it has been a long weekend. Lots have happened in the game of college football, but Saturday night uh, was just a fantastic game in Baton Rouge. Of course, Alabama comes up short. LSU and Brian Kelly, he gets his first win over Alabama. Just your your takeaways from what was a fantastic game Saturday night. Yeah, obviously, you know, if you're a fan of college football, that was a really, really great game to watch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it went down to overtime. 32-31, I'm a loss. Brian Kelly taking the risk there with, by going for two. But, you know, it's one of those play calls where if you, if you make it, you're, you know, you're a top 10 great coach of all time. But if you miss it, people are going to be mad at you for a very long time. But fortunately, it worked out for them. It was a great play call. And um, But, you know, this Alabama team, you know, just kind of once again showed the, showed the cracks in the armor. You know, Bryce Young, you know, only had a 49% completion percentage, 25-51 for, you know, the touchdown and interception. Um, the defense played pretty pretty solid in the first half. Only gave up around 130 yards and one touchdown in the first half, but really just kind of, once again, kind of slowly fell apart over the course of the final 30 minutes. So, um, Alabama's you know second loss of the year, pretty much and not 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 technically 100% eliminated, but from playoffs. But at the same time, they'd take about 10 programs collapsing in the final three weeks for that to happen. So, at this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that Bama will probably go to New Year's Six Bowl or maybe the Citrus Bowl or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, going to be good for my Christmas break to be a little bit longer this year, that's for sure. <laughs> Talking about Bryce Young, 
25 of 51. You 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 talked about how his completion percentage was at 49%. He seemed just a little bit off all night from from when I was watching him. How, why do you think that happened? Like what 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 can you attribute his off night to? Well, you know, I think of a couple of factors. First and foremost, the LSU, you know, passed the um, pass rush. You know, on the night, he was only sacked twice, but he was rushed 10 times, um, or hurried 10 times, excuse me. And um, I think that really played into it. But like you said, he was just making a lot of very interesting choices, um, making a lot of really bad decisions when it came to who he's going to get the ball to. He overthrew a, a decent number of passes. He underthrew through passes short quite a bit. He definitely didn't look like his old self. And even today when we talked to Nick Saban, one of the questions to him was, you know, what's the status of Bryce Young right now? And Saban said that, you know, Bryce is still saying that he's perfectly fine. He's perfectly healthy. You know, the staffers are still clearing him. So I guess maybe it's a mental hurdle. But, you know, we saw him him perform well in the first half against um, Mississippi State last week, but then fall apart in the second half. And this, this, this week it was the exact opposite. We saw an offense that was pretty much, incapable of doing anything in the first half and then actually, you know, do pretty well in the final 30 minutes. Um, you know, I think it's a hesitation due to injury still. I think he, he doesn't quite have his mojo back, but, you know, against an Ole Miss team this weekend, he really needs to get that back in a hurry because Alabama's going to have to score a good bit this weekend. Well, yeah, Joey, the, the thing that stood out to me was the underthrows for Bryce Young, putting you know putting the ball in the dirt uh, you know, a couple yards in front of receivers. That's not really something we've seen a whole lot from Bryce in his career. Yeah, no, not at all. And, you know, it, I know Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, I think it led Alabama with 97 yards. He had seven receptions, but he was targeted 17 times. And a good bit of those targets were in the dirt in front of him. So those certainly aren't his fault. They're not drops. Um, same for Jameer Gibbs. You know, he was targeted 12 times and made eight receptions, and I'm pretty sure a few of those were also very short. So um, it's a problem. Like I said, it's just a problem they need to fix in a hurry because there's still a few games left. And there's while, while people might dismiss Austin P, Ole Miss and Auburn definitely present their own unique sets of problems. Speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line, it's a problem that Auburn defense has had for a while this season. It's also a problem for the Alabama defense forcing turnovers, right? And on Saturday night, LSU did not have a single turnover in the football game. Alabama had just the one. But what is going on with this Alabama defense where we've seen in the past where they benefit from scoring off of those turnovers they didn't force a single one on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the updated turnover margin is right now, but I'm pretty sure it's a minus five against Alabama. It was, I know it was heading into the LSU game, so it's definitely increased since then. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's been a problem with this Alabama defense. So, you know, so far this year, a team that Nick Saban's built on thriving with defensive takeaways and turning those into points. And, um, you know, Alabama's, while their pass rush is good, their, their run defense is good, um, and their defensive backs have been slowly getting better. A lot of it doesn't matter if you're not able to force turnovers or force offenses to give up football, and that's still to this day a problem. And I, you know, it's so late in the season now that I don't know if it's going to be able a problem they could turn around. But especially coming off of a bye, you know, you expect the defense to come out with a little bit more, <clears throat> with a little bit more enthusiasm and a little bit more oomph to it. Uh, but we didn't see that, so we'll just have to wait and see what they can do against Ole Miss this weekend. Joey, you were talking about that second half, the the defense struggling. Jaden Daniels really had a solid game passing, but really made an impact on the ground. What did you see about his performance that 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 really made Alabama's defense kind of struggle there in that second half? Uh, 
I saw the third dual threat quarterback that has just beaten the tar out of Alabama's defense this year. <laughs> we already saw it earlier this year with KJ Jefferson. We saw it with Hendon Hooker, and now we see it with Jaden Daniels. I, I was very impressed with what he was able to do. Didn't have a lot of passing yardage, uh, yardage, but that didn't really matter just because he was so efficient. You know, 22 of 32, a couple of touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. Um, I really liked the growth that he's kind of exhibited over the course of this season. And who would have thought that that LSU team that lost to Florida State in week one would be the same LSU team that would beat Alabama uh, in overtime. But they really have shown a lot of growth. You know, Kudos to Brian Kelly and Jaden Daniels and what they've been able to do and how they've all kind of grown and bought into the system this year. And, um, I really like what I saw from him. And he's definitely got a, definitely got a good future ahead of him. Um, I know I didn't mention his rushing yards but like you said you know he's 95 yards and a rushing touchdown as well on 18 carries um anytime you have a quarterback that's averaging over five yards a carry that's not a bad night speaking with joey blackwell of bama central here on the monday edition of on the line you you mentioned it uh sort of in your opening comments but the two-point conversion obviously the play that everybody is talking about uh that brian kelly he went for two in overtime and a lot of people would say when you have a chance to slay the giant, you've got to go for the throat, and that's exactly what Brian Kelly and LSU did. They convert on the two-point conversion, and they something, win in overtime. Something Brian Harson didn't do last year in the Iron Bowl, which still baffles me. Correct, correct. So, I mean, just what what, is it, what does it mean, and what does it show about Brian Kelly as an SEC coach now that he was willing to go after that and not only go after it, they ended up getting it? Well, you know, Brian Kelly, you know, while this is his first season at LSU, this isn't the first time he's gone against the Nick Saban coach football team. Obviously, played against Alabama in the national championship over, you know, about a decade or so ago where Alabama beat them pretty handily. And then in the playoffs a couple of years ago where Alabama once again beat them pretty handily. So I think, you know, with Brian Kelly there, he's very well aware that if you have a chance to take down Alabama and Nick Saban, you need to strike while you can. And, I, you know, I was a very gutsy call but a call, obviously, that I think that there isn't an LSU fan on the planet right now that would disagree with the call, <laughs> you know, this today. Um, I, I thought it was an excellent play call, which we saw LSU the entire game was filled with really good play calls. Kudos to their staff. Um, can't really say the same about Alabama's. But um, I really like what I saw from the Tigers. And um, like you said, when, it's, when you have a chance to play the Giant, you take that shot and that's what they did. Joey, Jameer Gibbs, kind of maybe after a slower start, this back half of the year has really kind of lived up to the expectations of being one of the top two or three backs in the country. What have you seen out of him? He continues to be just so explosive. What have you seen out of him, and what can you attribute to why he's broken out so well, I guess, here in the back half of the season? Well, you know, I think that, you know, we saw him start to take off once he started getting more, get, you know, started being given more carries, which, of course, started around the time that Jalen Miller had to come in and replace Bryce when he was still dealing with his shoulder injury. And ever since then, we've seen him. Once, if he's given the workload, he can produce. Um, like you said, you know, at, at LSU this past weekend, he had just one yard short of 100 yards rushing. Um, he had over 60 um, receiving yards as well. Just his versatility is really what has impressed me the most. Um, he's, he's he's an equally competent receiver as he is a running back, and we've seen his you know both his receiving and rushing numbers be very very similar over these past you know four or five weeks here. And you know just the fact that you never really know what he's going to do. I've never seen a running back be shifted out of the backfield more than Shabir Gibbs, and there's a reason he has been. It's because of that. You know, I don't want to call the dual threat because that's a term we use for quarterbacks, but he really is kind of a dual threat running back that can you know that can both make receptions and rush the football. And um, I I foresee a, a very high draft pick in his future, whether it be next year or the year after. 
um, he's definitely you know going to bring a lot to the table for a very happy NFL team. He rides for Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site for Alabama. Joey Blackwell joins us every Monday here on On the Line. A question that everybody's starting to wonder about right now, the temperature around this Alabama football program, the fan base. What's the what's the feeling right like right now over in Tuscaloosa because Alabama's seven and two? Uh, like you said, they are pretty much out of the college football playoff conversation. The earliest we've been able to say that in a long time for Alabama. You know, I think the feeling, if I were to, if there was a, uh, a sentence to describe it, thank goodness it's basketball season. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what a lot of Alabama fans are talking about today. Obviously, Alabama tips off against, you know, they get their season started tonight. Um, I've seen a lot of basketball on 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 uh, online, and much more than I think I would if uh, LSU had lost this past weekend. Is this the earliest Alabama fans have talked about basketball, Joey? <laughs> it could be. I don't know. They were talking about it pretty early last year uh, after you know coming off of that Sweet Sixteen, uh, that Sweet Sixteen game. But um, but yeah. I, I, but you know, all jokes aside, you know, I think people are just looking forward to a change of pace. You know, I I, I think um, obviously you know Alabama fans are sad that they lost the game, but at the same time, I think most people would rather lose to an LSU team um, and have your playoff hopes kind of taken away now. And Auburn has done a couple of times, you know, as far as beating Alabama in the final week, and that's when you find out you're not going. So, uh, you know, it, like you said, it is the earliest that it seems like it's been, I think, since 2010, if I'm not mistaken, that Alabama's known they weren't going to the playoffs. So um, I know from my personal perspective, I'm, I'm quite happy that I can make Christmas and New Year's plans. That's, that's for sure. Joey, with, with Ole Miss this weekend, the game that I – Definitely feel Lane Kiffin every year when the schedule comes out. He circles it with a big red sharpie. Uh, with with Ole Miss coming off the the off week, what is the vibe going into this game for Alabama, and how how do you see Ole Miss attacking Alabama, and then Alabama attacking Ole Miss? I think the vibe, you know, I saw that the opening line today was Alabama by twelve. I think that is a, I think that is incredibly generous. Um, I think you know what now, I think the vibe right now around Alabama in general is just okay. Well, we've seen you know after Tennessee, it was like okay, they've made big mistakes. But then they beat Mississippi State. And I was like, well, they made those mistakes against Tennessee. They have a bye week now. They can fix those errors and you know move onward for the final you know four games of the year. But now after losing to LSU, most of those mistakes were mistakes that they've already had all throughout the year. And so now it's a little bit too late to kind of you know really open you know overhaul a lot of things you just kind of have to deal with them but maybe make some minor improvements here and there um you know i i think that the general consensus with among the fans right now is that this is a very winnable game against illness but it's also an equally a losable game just because of we do have the the offensive madman that is playing kiffin on the other side of the field and they're definitely going to present their own unique set of of challenges and um, I think it's going to be highly dependent on what Alabama team shows up. Is it going to be the Alabama team that plays with a chip on their shoulder because they have lost two games? Or is it going to be the Alabama team that, you know, is upset that they're not going to make the playoffs and, you know, throws in the towel for the rest of the year? I think that's going to be highly dependent on how you know, their response to this past weekend is going to determine who wins this game. And not to mention that Lane Kiffin maybe has a little bit extra motivation this weekend to beat Alabama with his name floating around for the Auburn job. Well, maybe so. You know, I, I, that's definitely uh, something I'm sure Lane Kiffin's thinking about, and I'm sure Auburn's watching that closely as well. So, you know, best of luck to him. Best of luck to Auburn in their search too. Joey, what uh, 
With basketball season starting tonight, obviously Alabama has Longwood. What are the expectations going into that game and as Alabama's basketball season really gets going? Yeah, you know, I think Alabama, you know, I, 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 a lot of people are really excited to see what Brandon Miller brings to the table. Obviously, you know, we've heard a lot about him and not just the close scrimmage, but the charity exhibition and the trip to Europe. He's had a phenomenal, you know, first you know, few months here with Alabama. Um, you know, projected to be a number, uh, you know, a top uh, first round draft pick um, in the NBA. So really excited to see him. Excited to see Namari Burnett, you know, return to the court. He hasn't, he still hasn't played a single game for Alabama due to, of course, his leg injury that he suffered last year. He'll finally be back. There's a lot of young talent, eight new players. If you count all the freshmen and the transfers. Um, also a, a young team, but this is a team that has more depth than Nate Oates has ever had in Tuscaloosa. And um, they're, they're, they're a solid team. I could definitely see them making it um, to the Sweet 16 like they did a couple of years ago. So um, it's going to be a long journey. Um, they have, Alabama has a really tough non-conference schedule. And, of course, for every team in the SEC, the conference schedule is always difficult. So I'm really excited and really getting the tip-off tonight. Alabama ranked number 20 in the AP poll. They're favored by 16 tonight against Longwood. Look, Alabama's a top-five team in the SEC coming into the basketball season, so it should be a lot of fun, man. We're looking forward to this this awesome time where football and basketball crossover. It's always a lot of fun. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line, man. We appreciate you and your time. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your coverage. Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports. You can find all my writing as well as all my coworkers over at BamaCentral.com. And same thing, Bama Central on all social media platforms. And thank you guys for uh, having me. Well, man, we appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, all right? Sounds great. Thank you. That is Joey Blackwell, again, of Bama Central. He joins us every Monday talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide. We appreciate him coming on, talking Alabama LSU, talking Alabama Ole Miss, and the Alabama basketball season as they get underway against Longwood tonight, 730 on ESPN Plus, SEC Network Plus. Let's get to our final break. We'll wrap up hour number one on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. That's gone real that's gone by fast, man. Hour number one, man. It's almost in the books. How about that? But be sure you stay tuned. Hour number two will be at three o'clock. In the second hour, we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network as we do every Monday. But big thank you to Joey Blackwell. He joins us every Monday of Bama Central. Uh, it takes a lot to come on here and talk about the team that you cover losing in Baton Rouge. And Carter, can you finally admit to me that you were wrong about LSU? I was wrong about Oklahoma State. Okay, Oklahoma State is not as good as I thought they were. But LSU has gotten better every single week. And LSU, LSU is two different teams this year. I agree. Somewhere around week four, really, really right after the Auburn game. Yeah. Honestly, if Auburn wins the LSU game like they could have and probably should have, where is LSU right now? I think that's a really fair question because I, I, I could see that killing the momentum. Ole Miss game flipping the other way. Oh, and for sure. all of a sudden we're sitting here. I mean, even even the the Mississippi State game, where I thought Leach had a chance early to land a big knockout kind of blow and put LSU on their heels, if that goes the other way, and instead LSU chipped away, won that game, got some momentum going, this team has just grown in confidence. They've gotten better and better, and they've they've done it off their offensive line with two two tr- two true freshman offensive tackles starting and anchoring that unit. 
I and, think for and beating up two first round picks. Yeah. At Alabama this yeah. past week. I think for LSU, I mean, they got lucky in the Auburn game, right? Because, the, I mean, they, they shut down Auburn. Auburn should have won that game. You can use should have there. They but, shut down Auburn or Brian Harson shut down Auburn? Eh, a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. But then, if you remember, then they went the very next game and got embarrassed at home against Tennessee and Baton Rouge. It was a 40-13 to beatdown from Tennessee. That was the That's turning point. Sometimes. That was the turning point for this LSU team because then after that they beat Florida 45-35. That score is a lot closer than what the game was. Then they beat Ole Miss 45 to 20 and then of course on Saturday night they beat Alabama. So I think them getting embarrassed at home against Tennessee was the turning point because now they're in the driver's seat to win the SEC I mean, West. It, but, but again, I mean, if the if the Mississippi State or the Auburn game go the other way, they just survive. I think this, they just survived those. Games. I think I think the this LSU team would be floundering without direction. Oh, really. I agree. If they I would think, have lost those games, you would have lost obviously Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Alabama. For I don't sure. think the foundation was set. I think it was a wobbly structure until they picked up those wins that. Uh, Mainly that'll miss win. And then when they got that done, then I think the belief really set in. And and now they're daggum good. And Jaden Daniels has figured it out. They've they've adjusted that offense. They they're now starting to give him a little bit of time and using his strengths, his athletic ability. I mean, they're they're good. They're good. And I have knock on wood here, I have a hard time seeing them not handle business in their last two SEC games. You bring up the Mississippi State and the Auburn games for LSU. Yes, they were rocky. Yes, they were shaky. But those are the types of games that good teams win. That's what good coaches do. They coach their teams to win those types of games. They did it. Brian Kelly's a good coach, and he's proven more to me this year than I think he did his entire time at at Notre Dame. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat. I am as well. LSU, man, they're a good team. They get better every single week. Hour number one's in the books. Come back. We got a whole lot more coming up in hour number two. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well in the Auburn Open Like area. It's beautiful outside. Leaves have been changing. The temperature's nice. It's just a beautiful day. It was a nice weekend. Uh, so hope you all had a good weekend uh, over this past couple of days. We have got so much to talk about. We covered a lot in our number one. If you missed any of that, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or at ESPN. 
SNAU.com. You can find it under the Podcast Center, commercial-free, right after the show today. So be sure you go and do that. It was a busy weekend in the world of sports. We had great college football on Saturday, especially in the SEC. Uh, College basketball starts tonight. Uh, It's already started today, really. We have a World Series champion, the Houston Astros. Hockey's off and running. NBA's off and running. I mean, it is a busy, busy time in the world of sports. And so we are going to dive into so much more of it here in hour number two. Uh, We're going to talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30, like we do every single Monday. Get his thoughts on Auburn, Mississippi State. Get his thoughts on Auburn basketball as well as they play George Mason tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, uh, it's always great when basketball season starts. Uh, It's been something we've been asking for for a little while. Although now, now, like... There's so much excitement around football. I want football to keep going. Right, exactly. <laughs> now we have some things to talk about. Of course, last week was the Brian Harson firing, and we were excited about that, and we were questioning what, or not really questioning, but we were just curious of what the Auburn program was going to look like under interim head coach uh, Cadillac Williams, and we found out Saturday night that this program got handed off to a better man, a better coach, a better person than what was there before with Cadillac Williams. I'm just going to say it. it. I mean, it it, it. it is the truth, and that is what we saw on the field, in the room, in the locker room, at the press conference on Saturday. We're going to get into all of that here more in this segment. If Cadillac Williams had seven years at Boise, how many championships do you think he would have won? Probably seven. Seven. (laughs) (laughs) Seven. That's exactly right. Look, we're going to, before we get into that though, we're going to get to the phone lines. We'd love for you to call in to be a part of the show. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Let's get to the phone lines. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Good afternoon, guys. How are y'all? Good afternoon, Terry. We're doing great, man. Hey guys, uh, last week on, on the well, on the show, unless, I don't know about on this show, but on several times I heard, if Hugh Freeze can beat Arkansas, he zooms up the list. But I, he beat Arkansas. I agree. I think yeah. he is probably getting – he he will receive I a think, couple of phone calls, no I doubt. I think that, that the people in his corner that were making noise are now making deafening noise at a level that we haven't heard for Hugh Freeze. Well, let me, let me emphasize this, guys. I don't think anybody wants the job more than he does. Well, yeah, because he beat Arkansas, and then he basically immediately went to the media and campaigned for the Auburn job. I agree. It's it's going to be a long time. It has been a long, long, long time for Auburn to say they hired a coach that wanted to be there. Well, I I think that there are – I think there's three, at least. There's three guys that want to be there. I agree with that. I think think his level of want is stronger than the others. I really do. And it might be, but, you know, just because – and I'm not not saying anything bad to you or or Hugh Freeze or anything. Just because he wants it more than everybody else doesn't mean he'll get it, though, right? I think just because he's publicly basically talking about how much he wants the job may not mean that he wants it more than than at least one candidate in my head, and that uh, could be Dan Lanning out out, out of Oregon. Please, no. Why? Explain to me that. Because he's, 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 he's this year's version of Mel Tucker. How's he doing? So you're going to base it on one year. Last year, this last year's time we were hearing how Mel Tucker had Michigan State on the right track and he was going to be the next great thing because he learned under Saban. He could be a flash in the pan. A, one, a one-year di- dip after losing all of that talent at Michigan State. I don't think the sample size is big enough to, to write Mel Tucker off as a flash in the pan. But Kirby Smart, in his own words has said Dan Lanning is the best recruiter he's ever worked with. Okay, so that makes it okay then. 
I think that helps. But when you when when you need to turn over a roster, and the ways that you do that is recruiting, the well, you need somebody who can turn over that roster, and Dan Lanning can do that with just about anybody. I just don't think Auburn's in a position to hire anything other than a flashy hire, and a guy that's been a head coach and has proven things. And, and if he wins the Pac-12, if he wins the Pac-12, is the, is that not flashy enough for for you now? Not really, because they don't play defense out there. I mean, look, it, it's it's a fair argument to make, and, and and it is it is a legitimate thing to say Auburn has to go after a guy that's already proven on multiple multiple years, especially in the SEC. I get that, and I think that is definitely weighing on who Auburn goes after, aka Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze. But I do think that Dan Lanning could be really good here, and I do know that his name is in the possibility to be the next head football coach. Let me, let me go ahead and say this before somebody calls up and insults me. He's a Georgia guy, so was Pat Dye. So let me go ahead and say that. Go ahead and get out the other way. Well, he's, he's, uh, he's, not a true, he's not a true Georgia guy. I mean, he went to some extremely, extremely small school. He mean, he's, no, I realize that, Carter. I, I'm just saying that's what's <laughs> going to be said. Fair. But I, I, I will say that I think his ties to the Southeast are, it would be extremely va- valuable. I mean, his time at Memphis, his time at Alabama, his time at Georgia. No. Absolutely not. Um, guys, let me ask you guys this. Yeah, is it time to see Alex McPherson? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. We Ed called in earlier in the first hour. I don't know if you had the chance to tune in, but he he had a couple of different he had a couple of different points, and that was his last one. Was is it time to see Alex McPherson? I think so. Uh, and my reasoning, and I kind of gave my thoughts on that was obviously the. The Carlson family has been so good to Auburn with the brothers that have played here. They've done great things here. Uh, and unfortunately, Anders has just not been the same that he was before his injury. And we thought he could get back to that point, And I think it's now time to realize he's just not there. But to this point, with only three games left, possibly four if you went out and get to a bowl game, if that is what happens, um, I think maybe letting him finish out his career is something that is important to Auburn. If that's where they go, I think that's sort of what we're seeing. Uh, but I do think you it's time to, to you, let... You need to win, and I think Alex correct. McPherson, correct. You, you have to give him a shot now. I think and, he deserves and, and, a shot. I can yeah, I see... It's not just Andrews missing the field goals. It's... He's kicking the ball because he's not getting it to the five yard line. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think I, I think Alex should at least be doing the kickoffs because if, if Anders gets the ball to the end zone on Saturday... Auburn probably wins because Mississippi kickoff, State had yep. a couple big, big returns that well, they, set up they, drives. They had a touchdown. Yeah. They had a 92-yard return for a touchdown. Exactly. But, but I think that I could maybe see where you were leaning towards Anders because he's been the guy all year, and you theoretically could have had four games, five games left. Um, so maybe – you you were thinking about the freshman's red shirt. Well, now you've got three games left in the regular season. You have to win out to make a bowl game. If he plays in all four, all three, and then a bowl game, so if you win out, he still has a red shirt. I think it's worth giving him a shot now. Yeah, Carter, do you remember the point I made on after the game Saturday night? What Jim Fye's closing statement always was when he was alive and doing the Auburn Ruckus. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Yeah, that's Anders Carlson. Mm-hmm. We appreciate the commitment, the dedication, the overall allegiance to the, the job and the program, but it's time. It's time to make a change. It just is. It's, yeah. it's just the way around. It just is. And I don't think anybody would would be mad at Anders or be disappointed in him if he were not to finish out the season. I just don't think he's the same as he was pre-injury. And you hate to see it because he was so good before his injury, but he's just not the same. 
right? And and kicking is a lot like golf. You, once you once it gets between your ears, it's hard to get it out. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly hey, right. And, and and I said that on on after the game. I think that at least a portion of Anders Carlson's struggles at Auburn should be attributed to his redshirt freshman year. Gus Malzahn treated him like it was Daniel Carlson, even yep. though it was his first year. That's very and important. And ran him out from 50-plus entirely too many times and watched him miss a bunch, and I think that affected his long-term confidence and why we've never seen Anders get to the level of Daniel. Okay. Gotcha. Have a great day. Appreciate, Appreciate it, Terry. And, and that's, a, that's a really, really good point because if you do remember, that's exactly right. Gus Malzahn put Anders Carlson in horrible situations because his brother it was so could dumb. be put in those situations. Was, he when, treated him exactly like it was Daniel, and he was not Daniel yet. Correct. He could have been Daniel, but I think it stunted his confidence. Right, and I think Daniel was more accurate, and that was what we were told was Daniel may have been more accurate, but Anders could kick the ball a mile, right? And But he was also a freshman, and Daniel was a senior, so... There was a difference. Not saying that one was better than the other, but I think Daniel was because he was older and had college experience. And you're right. Gus Malzahn put Anders in a really, really bad situation uh, at his early years. And that did take a toll on him. And one conversation that I actually had with my dad on Saturday night when we were watching the football game for the Auburn game was, remember, obviously, when at the end of the game where Mississippi State had their kicker out there and Cadillac called two timeouts, made the guy kick it three times in a row. What did he do? He made it all three times. The if second that was, one kissed off the upright. It still went in. <sighs> if Anders was out there, how many of those would he have made? I think he misses at least one in this, would, in this I situation. Have, I think I he would have missed one. I think he would have made one. I don't know how many more past that. Yeah, and that's and that that I mean, he, right he, there. He missed from thirty eight from the same hash, basically. Yeah, exactly, and that's my and that's the point, and I think that's where a lot of people are coming from. A lot of fans are coming from. Why haven't we seen Alex McPherson? And I, I again, I go back to I think it would have been better for Anders Carlson if he tore the ACL on the swing leg, but I think the fact that his plant leg is where he tore his ACL. If that's not stable, that throws off the whole operation and that throws off all of your confidence. And that's why he's having to wear this enormous brace to kick field goals. And that goes back to your mental thing as well because every if it were me and I tore my ACL on my plant leg, every time I go to plant that leg... I'm thinking about re-tearing that ACL, right? You in the even if you're not directly thinking about it subconsciously, you've got in your mind, I hope I don't tear my ACL when I Speaking do. Speaking of ACLs and knee injuries, Austin Troxel, mm-hmm. yeah, we we need to mention that that yeah. he's out for the year. Yep, I hate that Hated for him. It. I I appreciate the six years he's given Auburn and the effort he's given Auburn. Um, I mean, he's at least, this is at least four significant knee injuries he's had over his career, basically since his senior year of high school to now. That's um, tough. That's I really mean, tough. He. He deserves all of the the respect from Auburn fans because of what he he has done and how he's put his body on the line. Um, and I mean, I just I hope that he's he doesn't have knee pain going forward and he is able to to do everything he wants to do after football. Yeah, that was a really tough scene Saturday watching him get I mean he couldn't even walk. He was having to get carried off the field and then carted into the locker room. It I mean that's me, it, I hated that ESPN showed the replay that so many times. Yeah, I know. I know. It 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 was tough and it it's it's one of those situations where obviously you don't want to see anybody get hurt, 
but it's those guys like that that you really just don't want to see go down because of what they've done and what they've put in. Has it been the best, the absolute best we could see? No, but those types of guys have put in so much effort, heart effort, blood, tears, sweat, whatever you want to call it, into Auburn and Auburn football. Uh, It's really tough to see those types of guys go down with that many injuries over his career. Let's get back to the phone lines, though, before we get to our first break. 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line. Welcome in. Oh, I thought you guys were going to break. Oh, no, we got time. We got time for you. What you got? I just wanted to talk to Carter a minute, steam my conversation with him from Saturday night. Yep, that is between y'all then. What'd you say? I said that's between y'all then. Go right, go for it. Oh, Carter. Yep. So you still disagree with that fourth down call? Yes. First quarter? Yes. You disagree? Yes. Or what, do I, I, I disagree with the call to... To, to go for it on that fourth and one? No, I I, 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 I don't have I don't have an issue with with going for it on on that fourth and one because one you should be able to get one yard. I didn't necessarily hate the play call. I love the attacking mentality that an interim head coach brought into the game because I think that's something Auburn needed. And Auburn was ten of sixteen heading into the game on fourth down. I mean. The numbers would back up that you sh- you should be able to, to convert that. I mean, I I don't hate that, especially when nothing's going your way. You need some momentum. Well, some of those numbers you're referring to, ten or fifteen, some of them were in the red zone. Okay, that's you know you're in a fourth fourth down. Um, what we, well, I didn't forget how you call that. Anyway, that's when you're in the red zone. Now, when you're on your own twenty five yard line. What are you trying to determine here? What are you trying to impress? I mean, I don't understand that. I think a lot of it is just at that point, and I hate to, I hate when this phrase is used a lot because it is overused, but at that point, what did you have to lose if you're Auburn? Obviously the game, but I mean, any type of momentum or energy or excitement within the team and on the sideline, I mean, is it a very dangerous call? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's instilling a, a belief in your players from the interim head coach. I have no issue with that call. I do not. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but Brian Harson got criticized for that, for trying to make a spark. Because, okay, okay. Saying, the, I, 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 if we're talking about the South Carolina game where he went for it on his own 30, you are better than South Carolina. You don't need to do that in that moment. In this game, you're a two-touchdown underdog on the road at Mississippi State, a Mississippi State team that has played pretty good ball all year. You're three and five? I don't have an issue with going for I think it's totally different circumstances from the external factors going into the game. Well, I'm still going to disagree with you. That That's fine. I don't, I don't care if uh, any, coach out, any coach out there is going to tell you in the first quarter, you're on your own 25-yard line. I'm going to go for it when you when you haven't been able to to get more than one yard all year long. Yeah, it, it's a gutsy call, and 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 the problem is, you know, it's, look at the LSU game where they went for it on on the two-point conversion. It's the same situation where if you get it, it's great, but if you don't, you're going to catch a lot for it. This is also in a game where Auburn averaged yeah. 5.6 yards per rush. Let so, me add this to it. I, I saw the replay of the Auburn game. And uh, Cadillac said that he made some terrible decisions. He wished he had taken back, you know, hindsight. Mm-hmm. And, and that was probably one of them. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure in hindsight, but I don't have an me. issue with the call. Listen to – well, you should because <laughs> the call was made by Will Friend 
And he said, yeah, we can make it. So Cadillac said, yeah, okay, let's go for it. All right. You start, basically, if you miss getting the yardage, which they did, you're basically giving seven points to the other team. And that's exactly what they did. Now, take those seven points away. Let's say we went, we, we kicked the ball, we kicked it deep into their territory, put them back there and get, try to get field position. Mm-hmm. Chances are they wouldn't have scored that seven points. Now, go back to the end of the game, we would have won that game in regulation. I mean, if they don't have a kickoff or re- return, I don't. I have issues with even other with things. Kickoff, more. Even with the even with the kickoff return, even I'm with saying, the kickoff I'm return, we. You mean we could play the if and but game all the time? I mean, we can do that with any game, really. I don't have no, an issue no, with that no, because no. I think it's an attacking mentality, and you're telling your guys you believe in them, and I think that's more important <laughs> in that moment to me. If I was a okay, I, I, I'll tell you this. I get, I get. I'll say this, and I'll hang up. If I was a player. And I looked at my coach, and he said, we're going for it you know, on our own 25-yard line. I'm, th- I'm second-guessing myself before I even make the play. I don't think, th- I don't think the, the offense believes thinks that way at all. At all. Well, I tell you, I think uh, what's-his-name is going to be on the drive one day this week. And I hope they pose a question to him when we went to, on fourth down on our own 25-yard line. What did you think? I uh, think yeah. oh, it, it, it John, yeah, John Sammy Shanker. He'll be on there. He'll Shinker's be on there today. Be like, I promise you, Shinker's going to be like, absolutely. I I believe in our coach. I appreciated our coach believing that we can get we can convert that. I, that's a hundred percent going to going to be the answer. Well, he's on there today well, at five thirty. Okay. He's Shanker will be on there today at five thirty. As far as I know, they're yeah. still having him on there, so that should be the case, okay. and he should be on there at five thirty. So I'll see if I can get a hold of Bill and make sure he poses that question. All right, too. yeah, well, there is not a, there's <laughs> yeah. not a chance on the planet John Samuel Shanker is going to say he he was doubting his coach going out onto the field for a fourth and one. I promise that. Not a chance on the planet. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hey, Spectre, we appreciate the call, man. We got to get to a break. That's Spectre joining us here on On the Line. We got to get to our first break in hour number two. We'll get back to the phone lines when we come back. 334 321 1390 on the line rolls on when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334 321 1390 or toll free at 888 382 7502. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How are y'all today? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I just got to say, I, I really disagree with Skepter or whatever uh, about that. With Spectre, yes. About his, yeah, about his call. Spectre, yeah. Um, we were, you know, we were we were down by how much uh, we were, we were, we weren't, down, it was ten. Yeah, I think it was down ten. We, we, we just, he just, we needed a spark or something. Mm-hmm. And if we had gotten that, then I think, I think the comeback would have came then, then, not, not in the second half. Right. You, know? you can't go through all of the, you know, you can't go and say, well, if he hadn't done that, then this would have happened, and that you can't do that because you don't, you don't know that one play changes 
everything. Well, so it's everybody's favorite that. game, the what if game, and right? That was, and that was my, my point when I was like, if if Auburn, I was trying to say, and he uh, cut me off actually, but I was saying, I mean, if Auburn kicks a touchback on the kick, kick return for a touchdown, Auburn wins the game. I mean, you, you can play if and but right. for every scenario that happens in every game. And I think, you know, his argument was, you know, obviously if you punt it away, your defense gets another stop because they were playing, you play the field position game. I get that, right? And I and 90, 95% of the time, going for it on fourth down from your own 25 is not a good idea, right? I think most yeah, of us can sit here and, and... Right, and so, but at that point, the argument is, what do you have to lose? And that was literally the situation Saturday night in Starkville. Right, right. We we were, were three and whatever, you know, we're, we're not... It's 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 we we did, we had nothing to lose. This is the answer. We we didn't have anything to lose. So what? They score a touchdown or 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 uh, or field goal or whatnot. You know, he was just trying to create something for his team. Hey, I believe in you. So exactly, let's go and get the, the three feet, and and we can go on and keep keep going. You know, but whatever he said, it, it that's the first time in twelve games or however many games that I like the second half was worth watching right oh yeah i mean it, it's, it's the you know, first time that auburn fans can feel proud about auburn football since the first half against mississippi state last year yeah i agree i completely agree i completely agree with that and I, it was it was a it was a just feeling the guy you could feel you could feel carnell when he was talking you know and like like just think about him talking to his players that way if you if we can feel it through the tv screen just think about how those guys feel, you know. Right, when he's looking you in the eye. To do right, yeah. looking you in the eye, and, and, and like you can get goosebumps and stuff. Yep. You know, I, whoever the head coach is, you know, it's not going to be him, but whoever it is, I, I, I really hope they keep him in some way. He got, he, he got, I just believe that you have to at this point. Um, and it would be it would be devastating in my mind if, if whoever's next, let this guy go somewhere else. Yeah, I think Um, it'd be stupid if you let him go. I mean, that would be the worst decision the next head coach can make. There's no doubt. He's going to be on the next staff. I I think there is next to zero chance that he's not on on the the, the next staff. Right right now, I really believe after Liberty beat Arkansas that that him and and, uh, Kiffin are neck and neck on who. You know, the the difference is I – I was listening. One of your callers said that Hugh wants to be here. Yep. I really do believe that. Like, I, that might be the deciding factor. This guy would be so grateful to be at a place like Auburn and another chance. And at, at all, you know, I think that he would do great things here. Uh, it, I still think Lane what might might be the better decision, but but you know, just his track record is uh, he can't sit still. He, he's right. antsy about you know. So if Alabama, you know, gets a new, you know, Nick Saban leaves in three years, what, you know, he's going, he, he might get itchy and go somewhere else. Or A and M, that that, you know, you don't get eighty million dollars to not coach. So right. why would you not go there? I think, yeah, so, I, I definitely think that's an argument against Lane. <laughs> I mean, it, you, and that's what Lane Kiffin is. He's just one of those guys. He's a little bit unpredictable, right? Yeah. He, he's just a little bit unpredictable. Think about this. I want to, I want to hang up. I, I think. For me right now, I think it's it's Hugh, and then I did not think this until until this past weekend. Hugh, and then second would be Dion with Carnell there. Just think about that. Think mm-hmm. about Dion and Carnell Williams. How like how many players that they would get, 
and, and like the motivation that they could get, they could bring that one. That might be a, you know, something to really think about, if, yep. you know? So anyway, I, I, that's all I got. All right, we guys. appreciate the call, Shane. It, Shane. No, I mean, I think about that combination. Deion Sanders as head coach. I've seen people say that Cadillac could be possibly OC in some way, possibly something like that. But just those two recruiting, they would be they would go nuts. I don't think I don't think Cadillac will be OC because he doesn't either. have that play calling experience. Correct. But those two on the recruiting trail, it'd be pretty hard to beat. There's no yeah, doubt about absolutely. it. Absolutely. We got to get to the break. We're going to have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network join us when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcoming in our Monday 3.30 guest, it's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, happy Monday, man. We got a lot to talk about. Auburn football, (laughs) Auburn basketball, gymnastics. I mean, you name it, man. There's a lot to talk about right now. Man, what a weekend it was! What a week it's been! It, it, it it's been all over the place. You're you're right. We we just need to jump right into it, don't we? Yes, we do. Jacob, how how about the fact? I mean, the sun's shining outside. There's hope. I don't think we've we've ever felt this way after an Auburn loss to Mississippi State. Yeah, it, you know, it's it, it's really something special that Coach Cadillac and and, and really the players and the entire staff have, have brought with. The emotion they showed on Saturday, the the fight that they showed, it, it really is something uh, special and different than what we felt in the wild uh, it, with Auburn football, especially. And you know, I'm just excited for the rest of the season and what, especially Saturday night, especially what Coach Cadillac uh, has in store for us. Well, let's dive into this performance on Saturday in Starkville. Obviously, Auburn does not get the win uh, in in Starkville, but this was probably the best that this team has played all season long. Uh, the energy and the focus of this football team, the coaching staff, it was something that we just really haven't seen all season long. Your takeaways from Auburn's overtime loss by six in Starkville on Saturday. Yeah, it took them a half to really get it going, but when they got it going, it's exactly what uh, Coach Williams said was going to happen. It was a game where Auburn ran the ball. It was a game where the defense was relentless, and, and we saw turnovers being forced, something we hadn't really seen all year long, five sacks by the defense, something like it's just these things that happened that we hadn't seen all year long. It, it was really exciting to see uh, the defense step up, the running game be really consistent and, and, and not a ton of lost yardages. And, and, yeah, you know, Robbie Asher was only 7 for 22 through the air, but he was still hitting big plays. Uh, in the passing game whenever he was able to complete some passes. So, you know, overall, I, I had to take away mostly positives and, and something that uh, Cadillac said in his in his uh, weekly press conference today is, you know, he'd rather lose and, and build the character up uh, the way they did on Saturday than win and continue to do the same things that uh, they've done all year long. I love that quote, and I was just reading it to uh, Jacob before we, we came back from the break, but uh, – Cadillac all week, he said that they were going to do two things. They were going to run the football and play relentless Auburn defense. And I think save the first quarter for the defense, 
Mission yeah. accomplished on both accounts there. What did you see out of the offensive side of the ball, running the football, and out of Auburn's defense, finally waking up and showing signs of life? Well, as far as the offense goes and, and running the ball, it felt a lot more creative. There were a lot of different wrinkles to the offense, getting Robbie Ashford really involved. He, he led the team in rushing attempts, and, and he, he was quite successful uh, doing so, scoring those two touchdowns. And, you know, it just felt like that that offense was really catered to Ashford, and, and obviously that opened things up uh, for Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. So it, it was really good to see those guys uh, continue to be involved in, and have – some big plays, and then you look at the defense. Derek All, three tackles for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble. He is your leader, and he, he is the guy. And then you got other guys, Colby Wooden, Marcus Harris, Jeffrey Imba. They get in on the sack party, and you know I'm, I'm just really. And then obviously Jalen Simpson got that interception. So uh, it's just really exciting to to see the defense do that at, because the turnovers are something we we talked about all year long. It feels like. Um, not being able to force them, that is. And, 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 and seeing three of those on Saturday night was very encouraging. Well, Hillman, that's exactly where I was about to go, was those turnovers that the defense forced, something that we've been begging for all year long, they get it's it done. It's crazy that under Cadillac that happens. Right, and they get, yeah. they get these turnovers, and uh, it, it gave the team life that we have just not seen this season. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't think two of the turnovers – you didn't get points off of, but that doesn't. I don't think that's the most relevant thing in the world uh, as it relates to this team. You know, like you said, it just gives them life and and shows them, okay, this is something that we are able to accomplish. We can go out there, get a stop uh, against this air raid offense, an offense you haven't faced all year long, and uh, doing that is just going to help you build momentum for these last three games of the season, and and that's what it's all about. You, you're. You go three and zero, you get to six and six. That's a tall task. You know you've got a road Iron Bowl uh, on the horizon, but regardless, this team is clearly motivated and and, and wants to go out there and perform uh, for, for for their new head coach and for the Auburn family. Jacob, I I felt the the turnaround could be attributed to to the veteran leadership on the team, specifically the defensive line with Derek Hall and Colby Wooden starting to make some plays. How, how indicative of that, of, of how this culture seems to have shifted, and how indicative of that of the leadership of their interim head coach, Cadillac Williams? Well, we, we know what we get from Derek Hall, and we talked about it last week, that that, that was going to be one of the biggest keys moving forward this season and how this team responds. And something that I noticed, I, it was the video of uh, Coach Williams' post-game speech in the locker room, and, and you saw in the background that, uh, Robbie Ashford was clearly upset that uh, they, they had fallen in overtime, but you could see Colby Wooden with his arm around him and picking his head up physically, picking his head up and you know, telling him chin up as, as Coach Cadillac gave uh, one, of, one of the best post-game speeches after a loss that, I, that I've heard uh, in years at Auburn. And it, that just really proves how much leadership is on this team, that, that there is, a, that there is uh, hope for the future. I said it last week. It's, everything's going to be okay. It's going to turn out okay because of guys like that, because of Derek Halls, because of Tank Bigsby's, because of Colby Woodens, and even because of young guys like Robbie Ashford. So it, 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 it's a bright spot on this team, and, and the future is bright right now. 
Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Looking ahead to this weekend a little bit before we start diving into some of the other sports around Auburn athletics. Auburn football has their last big home game this weekend. Obviously, they have uh, Western Kentucky next weekend. But Texas A&M comes to town Saturday night in Jordan-Hare. This is the first home game with Coach Cadillac running things. What are the expectations for what the stands are going to look like and, more importantly, sound like Saturday night inside that stadium? Well, I'll say it, it's going to be loud. It's going to be packed out. And it's going to be, one, it's, it's going, it's going to be interesting because you've got two, three, and six teams. Both teams only have one win in SEC play. But it's going to feel like a much bigger game than that. And that's because of the heart they showed last Saturday. Hey, with Coach Cadillac Williams. Uh, leading leading the team and you know he said it in his in his press conference when they asked him you know you, you let the team out of the tunnel at, at Davis Wade but how's it going to be different and Jordan Heron he said you know I, I tried not to think about it but I can't make it about me and, and I think that's that's the most important thing uh, for, for Coach Williams and, and other guys is just go out there play ball and, and play with that same energy uh, that you did in the second half in Starkville and and things will go fine, and it'll be an electric atmosphere in Jordan-Hare Stadium under the lights. Jacob, in this game on Saturday, we saw a lot of new, fresh faces out there, really on both sides of the ball. What really stuck out to you about that, and, and how do you see that progressing going forward? Well, the, you know, the funny thing was that the way Coach Cadillac talked about it in his, in, in his press conference was that he, he just wanted to make sure guys were fresh at the end of the game, and and that that showed a little bit when Auburn had that spark in the second half. But, you know, it, it's just something that I think he wants to see those younger guys uh, get that opportunity ju- just because maybe they haven't gotten that chance earlier this year. But, I mean, you look at the defense and someone like J.D. Rim, he, he had a pass breakup. And th- those are different. Those are That's a name that he's gotten playing time. Caden Bridges got his first career start just – Things like that are the things that will help this team grow in the limited time that it has left uh, in this season, and, and 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 I'm really happy to see it, and I hope more guys continue. I mean, I think Barton Lester got out there, and uh, uh, Jake Levant he got he had three tackles out there, so it, it's really cool to see guys like that uh, get some playing time. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on this Monday afternoon here on On the Line. It's a really fun time right now in in the middle of November, or I guess early getting into the middle of November, because obviously the fall sports are starting to get to their end, but the winter sports are starting to pick up. Of course, volleyball uh, is still being very, very successful as one of the fall sports over the weekend with Texas A&M. And then now, of course, tonight... Auburn basketball gets going underway with George Mason. Uh, talk about some of the uh, the just all of the athletics going on right now. What can you tell us, I should say, about Auburn athletics right now uh, with all of the sports, the fall sports winding down and the winter sports starting to pick up? Yeah, we'll start to look back at this weekend, and it was a great bounce back weekend for for the volleyball program, getting two wins against Texas A and M, both in four sets. It had chances to to sweep both of those matches, but. Um, but was was able to get it done in four sets. So uh, four more regular season games for the volleyball program, including uh, the the final two home matches on Iron Bowl weekend. So if you don't make the trip up to Tuscaloosa, you're still in Auburn. That would be the place to be uh, Iron Bowl weekend. Um, as far as men's basketball goes, though, this will be this will be a good test uh, tonight in Neville Arena with uh, with George Mason's a team that's experienced. It's got a solid front court. It's a 
it's a, uh, a, a big backcourt as well that uh, Wendell Green's up Jasper and Katie Johnson will have to deal with. And um, I, I just think that they're going to give a pretty good test for uh, this season opener. And I, I'm excited to see the new look starting lineup uh, for men's basketball tonight. Kind of as basketball season gets going, like what should be Auburn fans' expectation out of this team? I mean, as we get rolling tonight and moving forward through through the rest of the year, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting because I think we talk about this every year because Auburn is uh, a lot of these a lot of these rosters are changing every single year, and, and and this is an interesting one because you lose your Jabari Smith, your Walker Kessler, but you bring in talented guys like Johan Treyor and and, and Janai Broom and Chance Wester, who we'll see down the road, but still recovering from injury. And those are kind of going to be your keys to watch and how they grow uh, throughout this first month and a half of the season before SEC play starts. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what the starting lineup uh, looks like tonight because um, I think we saw uh, Wendell Green and then Zeb Jasper, uh, Chris Moore, Treyor, and Cardwell start the exhibition, but that might not be what we see uh, tonight, when uh, the season officially opens, uh, Broom obviously he's doing he's dealing with an ankle injury, so I'm intrigued to see if uh, he's still got his uh, still got a little bit of a hobble or not. Uh, but overall, I think it, it's going to be uh, a test of growth for those new guys, but also how the returnees gel with those uh, with with the newcomers. Right. I was going to ask you about Janai Broom because we know he's been dealing with some injuries, uh, maybe kind of re-aggravated it a little bit in that exhibition. I was going to see if you had any any sort of update on him and what his status was for tonight. Uh, no, no update as of now. I, I think the plan is still for him to play. It might be something they test out in pregame warm-ups and go from there. Uh, but it, he, he's going to be an exciting player once he's 100% healthy. I mean, we, he, he played really well in that exhibition and and Coach Farrell was talking about how he didn't even have uh, the hop that he usually does. And, man, how strong is it going to be for Auburn when, uh, whenever they are planning on getting Chance Westry into the game and into the rotation, how strong is it going to be that whenever that is, three, four, five weeks, whatever, this Auburn team's going to be in non-con play, and then all of a sudden they're going to say, well, you think you got us figured out? Here's another stud coming off the bench. Yeah, I think that Westry is going to I mean, We saw what he did in Israel. He had that breakout game against the All-Star Select team, uh, 18 points and seven steals. And I think that's a lot of what you're going to see from Westry throughout his career at Auburn. Uh, seven steals is a lot. I, I don't think uh, Auburn's had many – I don't think, honestly, more than five steals. I think that's a, that's a stat under Bruce Pearl. No one's had more than five steals. So if you can get someone like that where he's scoring on, 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 on the offensive end of the four the way he did, uh, in the summer, and he's as tenacious on defense as guys like KD Johnson and Zet Jasper are. You've got a great one through three guard because he can play all three of those spots. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how he uh, molds into the uh, the lineup whenever he's healthy. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Man, we appreciate you and your time. Uh, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything going on with the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. It is a busy week uh, on the Auburn Sports Network. We've got coverage of, of, of men's basketball tonight beginning at 6.30 Central as well as Friday against USF. Tiger Talk on Thursday with Coach Williams uh, at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. And then Saturday's coverage uh, will begin at 3.30 Central with Tiger Tailgate Show. So it is a loaded week uh, here at the Auburn Sports Network. 
Well, man, you guys do a great job. And again, we appreciate you and your time coming on every single Monday, man. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Monday, all right? Y'all as well. War Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Again, he joins us every single Monday here on the show. We appreciate him. They do great work with the Auburn Sports Network. It's a busy, busy time for Auburn Athletics, like I mentioned, as the fall sports start winding down and the winter sports get underway. It is a fun time living in Auburn. we got to get to our final break here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll come back and wrap it up when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goetz, Carter Bird with you for the next few minutes right here on ESPN 1067. Be sure to stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Carter Bird. He'll be filling in for Dan today on the Monday edition of The Drive from 4 to 6, so be sure you stay tuned for that coming up here on ESPN 1067. Before we get out of here, though, I've got to announce our... Let's see, it is week 10, the week 10 winner of the SEC Football Challenge here on ESPN 106.7. It is Flint Bobbles from Auburn, Alabama. Uh, He wins a $25 Visa gift card and a 12-pack of Pepsi sponsored by the Orthopedic Clinic and Buffalo Rock Pepsi. So, again, congratulations to Flint. You are the week 10 winner. He went 5 of 7 this week. A little bit tougher with some of the games, especially with LSU beating Alabama. I've definitely forgotten to do it the last few weeks. Yeah, well, I, I think I got my in i'm pretty sure but five of seven that's pretty good obviously lsu beating alabama georgia and tennessee those are tough games to call so flint went five of seven and again he wins a 25 dollars visa gift card and a 12 pack of pepsi that's all brought to you by the orthopedic clinic and buffalo rock pepsi next week this week coming up in week 11 it's a 25 dollars johnny brusco's gift card and a 12 pack of pepsi sponsored by johnny brusco's and buffalo rock pepsi all of our sponsors for the sec football challenge are the orthopedic clinic buffalo rock pepsi Johnny Brusco's Pizza and Wickles Pickles. So thank you to them for sponsoring this awesome competition. Uh, it's been going on all season long. And at the end, somebody's going to win that 4K Ultra HD 50-inch Smart TV. So looking forward to seeing the winner of that. But as we wrap up the show today, later on throughout the week, we're going to continue talking about Auburn, Mississippi State, previewing Auburn and Texas A&M. But Auburn plays basketball tonight. They've got their first game against George Mason. Uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network was just talking about how this is going to be a challenge for Auburn tonight because George Mason's a pretty a pretty tough ball club. And from what we know, Auburn, uh, you've got Janai Broom. That's a little banged up. We'll see what his status is and uh, maybe the, some the, of the guys on the team too. The presser, I guess, what was it, Friday? Mm-hmm. Bruce seemed to say that there's a lot of, of guys that are battling some sort of illness, whether it be the flu or stomach virus, some banged up guys. It's, it's a whole lot of... It's a little bit of a uh, mess, and uh, we will see how how Auburn is able to uh, who's healthy, who's able to be out there. It is the closest spread in the, uh, I believe the the top twenty five this today for, 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 for the opening game interesting well there's really not college basketball starts today, and I am so excited. I love college basketball. It is. It is just so much fun to me and to watch and to break down. It's one of the, it's probably my favorite to break down technically and watch how plays are run and how different formations and all of that good stuff. And I love it. I'm really excited. Unfortunately, tonight um, there's really not any just exciting matchups. Doesn't mean there won't be any exciting games. But when you just look up and down the schedule, there's over 200 college basketball games today. But 
there's none of them that just jump off the page like a like an opening game where Kentucky plays Duke or something like that. So I think there's going to be some interesting ones. Uh, Auburn again plays George Mason tonight. I will be in attendance. I think you said you will be also, right? I will be, yes. Cool. So I, I'm excited to see how many people show up uh, at Neville Arena tonight for Game 1 of Auburn basketball. I would assume it would be a pretty good turnout, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Game 1 tonight, Auburn basketball. And uh, just expectations for this season, and we'll talk about this more as the season goes along, but, I mean, this is a top-five team in the SEC. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I think you could, you could name – uh, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, and Alabama in some combination of five. Those are the top five programs in the SEC right now. I think you're going to see that shift and fluctuate all season long. If you were to do power rankings every single week, which I'm sure we will here on the show, uh, you're going to see that change quite a bit in non-con play and especially in SEC play. But there's no doubt that the SEC is a fantastic conference in basketball. Oh yeah, the, the SEC's been on the, ri- the rise the last few years with the fact that uh, with the fact that new coaches, really good coaches, have been coming into this league, recruiting has elevated, NBA talent production, like guys going into the draft, it's elevated, and with all that, the competition level keeps rising and rising. Bruce Pearl keeps Auburn in that top four more years than not. Auburn basketball game one against George Mason tonight. We'll talk about the results tomorrow on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. And, of course, we'll talk a lot more Auburn football as well. So join us on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Have a great night. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.